Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, you will get practical nutrition and health tips for both you and your entire family. I am a registered dietitian. I'll give you step-by-step plans to reach your goals, easy tips to stay motivated, and my favorite recipes that I know you will enjoy too. Nutrition and health doesn't have to be boring or grueling. Let's enjoy the journey while we strive to reach the destination together. So grab your water bottle and notebook because it's time to get started. Welcome back to another episode. I hope you're having a great week. Well, we all know that Thanksgiving is coming. It is right around the corner. And so I thought, what better subject to talk about when it comes to Thanksgiving is gratitude. Now, before you roll your eyes at me and are like, oh, here we go. Yes, we know we should be thankful for things. I actually want to talk a little bit about how gratitude can change our brain and can actually help us with weight loss or reaching our goals. So I'm going to put a little bit of a different spin on it. Um, As you know, I love Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving food, but I love Thanksgiving because it has nothing to do with presents. It has nothing to do with hurry up, be busy, 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 and try to jam as many things into a short amount of time period as possible. I love it because it forces us to slow down and it forces us to be thankful for the things that we have in our lives. Probably one of my most memorable Thanksgiving was nine years ago. So... I don't know if I shared this with you in previous podcasts, but out of all five of my children, four of them spent time in the NICU. I remember when I was pregnant with my oldest, Jake, um, for whatever reason, I went into labor early. And because I went into labor early, they had given me steroids. And when he came, which was around right shy of, I guess, 37 weeks, he was okay because he had the steroids and his lungs were developed. Uh, My second son, Parker, I think I went to a perinatologist for him because, you know, they were concerned why I delivered early. Perinatologist said, nope, you're good. Everything's fine. Nothing's wrong. You should be fine. Well, Parker decided to come a little early and he spent, I believe, six days in the NICU up at Lehigh Valley. And (laughs) I remember I was still at a different hospital, a community hospital that didn't have a NICU. And when I delivered him and when they took him by ambulance to the the larger hospital, um, I called Jim up and I was, of course, panicked. I'm like, you have to go to the hospital right away. And, um, you know, of course, he was up with me all night. He was exhausted, but I'm like, you have to go. They won't let me leave this hospital. I can't sign out yet. So you have to be the one to meet the ambulance. So he drove the hour drive to the the hospital, and of course it's like a campus, and he's like, oh my goodness, I have no clue where to go, but he found the NICU, and, um, and Parker ended up coming home on Halloween 
goodness, I guess that was 14 years ago. I remember the first time he met his brother, Jake. He was Jake was dressed as a chicken because we were all ready to go out for uh, trick-or-treating. So that was our big exciting story with Parker. I get pregnant with our third son, Ben, and I see a different perinatologist, and he's like, I have no clue what's going on. I don't know why you delivered early. It shouldn't happen this time. Well, Ben decides to come a month early, and he spent a good two weeks in the NICU. And unfortunately, Ben was born right before Christmas, so he spent his very first Christmas in a hospital. And I remember we spent the whole day with him. Um, They even allowed Jake and Parker to see him because they were so young. I think they were only three and four when Ben was born, which usually little siblings aren't allowed to be in the room, but they made an exception. And we had such a great day and just spent, you know, he was spent the time with him. He was doing well. We decided to go home and go to Christmas Eve service. And I don't even think I made it through the first song. And I just burst into tears. I'm like, who leaves their child alone on Christmas Eve? And so we left. We left church and we drove an hour back to the hospital so that we could be with him for, you know, a half an hour, 45 minutes until they kicked us out. But I just remember feeling like such a terrible mother leaving him by himself, but I wasn't allowed to stay. So anyway, so we had some experience with the NICU with two out of the three boys. And so when we found out we were pregnant with twins, we knew there was no way I was making it to 40 weeks. I just knew it in my soul that they were going to be early. And so the girls actually came 10 weeks early. Oh my goodness. It was horrible. Uh, they, they're good. They're great. And everything's fine. But in the moment, if you have ever had a child in the NICU, you know that all you do is stare at monitors all day long. And you can do nothing. You can't make them get better faster. You can't make them breathe on their own faster. All you can do is wait and the days are long, and you're exhausted, and you just keep staring at those monitors. And so for six weeks, every single day, I drove an hour to the hospital to hang out with them. And then I would drive home around five o'clock, and I would um, be with the other three boys. And I did that every single day, I would wake up in the middle of the night to pump, I'd wake up early, bring my milk into the hospital, spend about eight or nine hours with them, and then I'd come home and see the boys, and I would do it all over again, and I did that for six weeks, and I am so thankful and so grateful for all of our friends and family and church family that really came and rallied behind us because we needed it. Between the meals and the childcare, it was unbelievable how people just poured out their love and support for us. And so I wish I could say that Bella's time in the NICU was uneventful, but that would not be true. So Bella actually, uh, they weren't sure what was wrong with her. She was having trouble breathing at one point, and they thought maybe it was RSV, so they put her in isolation. Um, Her heart stopped a couple times. She actually um, needed a blood transfusion, and it was the scariest thing I've ever gone through in my life. Um... Yeah, I I don't even know what to say about that. And so 
she ended up being okay. It ended up being rhinovirus, which rhinovirus means the common cold. So I'm guessing that one of my, you know, young boys had the sniffles and I hugged them before I left to go to the hospital. And when I held Bella, um, she must have picked up the virus and got sick. And because she was so little and she didn't really have an immune system, her body couldn't fight it. And so, yeah, it was probably the scariest moment of my life. And, um, but good news, she's okay. And so when we went to pick her up from the hospital, Charlie actually got out of the hospital on the Monday before Thanksgiving. But Bella, because of her little setback, uh, she didn't come home till Thanksgiving Day. And that was nine years ago. Um, yes, it's so exciting. So we go to pick her up. And Jim's like, all right, I'm going to stay in the car with Ben, who was about 20 months old or 22 months old, and Charlie, who's a newborn. And you run into the hospital, take Jake and Parker with you, get all the bags, all the stuff, get Bella, and we will drive home. And how about we just hit up Wegmans for Thanksgiving dinner because nobody's cooking today. So that was the plan. So we drive all the way up to the hospital, about an hour away. I go in to get Bella. And the nurse is in tears. She's like, I am so sorry. I made you drive up here to pick up your daughter. Uh, But we just realized that nobody wrote a discharge note on her yet. And so we cannot give her to you until the discharge note is written. Now, guys, she has been in the hospital for six weeks with major events. And it's a holiday. Do you think that it is going to be a quick note to write? Absolutely not. They have to locate a doctor. They have to update the doctor on everything. He has to read the whole chart. He has to write the notes. We were inside a little tiny room. I called Jim. I was like, "Uh, you might as well shut the car down and bring Ben and Charlie in because we are going to be here for a while. And so they put us in this little tiny room um, as we waited. And we were probably in that little tiny room for about three, three and a half hours. And of course, we're yelling at everybody, don't touch anything. But when you have five kids under the age of six, that's a little hard to do. It was horrible. (laughs) It was kind of like I equated to a marathon, right? Like you run your marathon, you run your 26 miles, but you're not done yet. You still got the point too to to go until you can say that you finished the race. And for us, that was our point too. And so by the time we get home, we're exhausted. We ended up stopping at a diner and got a couple Thanksgiving meals to go. And nine years ago, we ate Thanksgiving dinner out of styrofoam containers. And I will tell you that it is probably one of our best Thanksgivings yet. It is our best Thanksgivings yet because our whole family was finally together. And I was just so thankful. Nothing brings out fear (laughs) like a health scare. And so when you get good news or when that health scare is over, I can't even tell you how much gratitude comes rushing in and how thankful you are. And so... You know what? Thanksgiving is a great time for us to remember to be thankful for each other. I remember uh, Thanksgiving, maybe it was one or two years ago, my dad wrote little notes to everybody about why he was thankful for them. And it may have taken him all but 10 minutes to do, but I still keep that note in my purse for days when I need encouragement. 
you know, the fact that somebody took some time to write out why they're appreciative of you, it means something. And so what does this have to do with weight loss? What does this have to do with nutrition and health? It has a lot. All right. So when we are focused inward and when we are focused all about what's not going right and why this is so terrible and everything is so stressful, I mean, my goodness, 2020 is the epitome of stress. I think I shared with you a week or so ago, my eye twitched for a good month. It didn't stop twitching. I was so stressed and I was like, what the heck? I am doing all the things. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. I'm exercising. I'm I'm meditating. I'm praying. I'm taking care of my body. I've, you know, decreased the amount of work uh, that you know, I was doing at my job, I decreased even some of my hours, I was doing everything I could think of for self care, but yet my eye wouldn't stop twitching. It's because this year has been nuts. It's been crazy. And I was like, okay, obviously, I got to do something different. And then I remembered gratitude. So here's the deal. Gratitude can absolutely affect anxiety and grief. And it can affect stress and your hormones and anxiety, depression, all of that stuff. So gratitude is a natural antidepressant. And when practiced daily, some people even will argue that it is as powerful as certain medications. That's huge, right? Just a simple act of being thankful and writing things down or practicing a daily art of gratitude is as effective as some medications. That's pretty powerful. That's a very powerful statement. In fact, I think it's the Mindfulness Awareness Research Center at UCLA. They actually proved that gratitude does in fact change neural structures in the brain. Like it actually does that. You don't need to take a medication. Now, some people do. I'm not, please don't Take this as I'm saying you don't need medication if you have been prescribed it. Obviously, this is a conversation you're going to have with your doctor. But for some of us that are feeling really stressed right now and are feeling really overwhelmed and are grieving over the loss of a school year or the loss of our kids participating in activities or the loss of us participating in activities and having a normal life, that's grief, right? Gratitude can actually change that. When you express gratitude, the brain releases these two neurotransmitters called dopamine and serotonin. You probably have heard them before. And these two neurotransmitters are responsible for emotion and making us feel better. So when it comes to feeling overly stressed out or feeling sad or anxious, guess what can pull us out of those depths? Gratitude. It improves sleep quality. In fact, you're more likely to wake up feeling more refreshed and energetic. Um, It reduces stress hormones like cortisol. Oh, cortisol, guys. Cortisol is that stress hormone that puts calories right in your stomach so that it can quickly be utilized for energy. One of the biggest things I'm seeing right now, because everybody is so stressed out, is increased cortisol levels, which is increasing belly fat guys, we got to do something about this. And you know, some of our normal coping strategies, they're not working right now. I just shared with you, I was doing all these things. I'm like, why am I still stressed? All right, I had to find a different way. I had to find a different tool. It wasn't working. Gratitude can even give you better cardiac function 
and make you more resilient to emotional setbacks and negative experiences, right? 2020 is one negative experience after another. There are so many hilarious memes out there, you know, just depicting, you know, March, April, May, June, July, and what's to come, right? And so we get down and we feel like we just keep getting sucker punched over and over again. And guess what? We can practice the art of gratitude and it can help us become more resilient. Isn't that what we want? Is, don't we want to bounce back and be able to have the energy and the, and the, you know, motivation to fight? Especially when it comes, if some of you guys have put on some weight with COVID or some of you have slipped into some really negative habits over the past couple months because, you know, you're doing a lot of takeout or you're just, you know, feeling overwhelmed by it all. What if we tried this very simple act that's right at our fingertips that we haven't explored yet, right? Gratitude reduces anxiety and depression. It makes us more empathetic and more positive-minded. Guys, here's the deal. If you are on a health journey or a weight loss journey, one of the biggest secrets to weight loss that nobody talks about is kindness. You have to be kind to yourself. We have to be positive. We have to think positive thoughts if we want positive things. When we're negative or when we're putting ourselves down or when we're thinking, oh, this is never going to happen. I'm never going to be able to do this. This is too hard. Guess what? When you think that, you don't feel motivated. And when you don't feel motivated, you don't do the things that help you reach your goal. And so it is so ridiculously important to, you know, when you're working towards a goal is to stay motivated. And how do you do that? You think good thoughts, you think positive thoughts. And if you need gratitude to help you get there, then that's what we need to do. That's what we absolutely need to do. I remember a long time ago. um, Gosh, I wish I could really remember what the subject was. But I think it was just a really hard time. And I remember my dad and I were talking and he's like, you know, have you thanked God for this experience? And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Of course, I did not thank God for this experience. This experience sucks. I hate it. I want it to go away. And he's like, just try it. Just try saying thank you for this experience and just see what it does. Say it over and over again until you mean it, until you believe it. And at that point, I remember I was just so, I was feeling so helpless and so hopeless. And although it didn't make any sense to me, I was like, fine, whatever. Sure, I'll say thank you for this. And I said, thank you. And the next day I said, thank you. And the next day I said, thank you. And I didn't believe it because I was ticked off and I was angry and I was sad and I was overwhelmed. And you know what? I kept saying it and something crazy happened. My heart changed my attitude changed. I started looking for positives instead of looking at the negatives and dwelling in the issue. See, that's the funny thing. Gratitude has you looking outward. And when we're feeling anxious and overwhelmed, that keeps us focused inward. And that's not really in our best. It's not in our best interest. All right. I even, it reminded me when my dad said that of a verse in the New Testament, Philippians 4, 
uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Right? It's not just, you know, tell him your thoughts, tell him how horrible things are, and please change it, fix it. I don't like the way this is. There's that little two words that are interjected in there that says, with thanksgiving. With thanks. And I think we skim over that part because we don't feel thankful in the moment, but that is the key to changing our mindset. With thanksgiving. And what better time to talk about thanks than this holiday that's coming up in just a couple days. So what can we do? Right? What can we do to add more gratitude into our life? And how do we practice the art of gratitude? Number one, we have to appreciate ourselves. Right? Right away we think, okay, I need to start, you know, grabbing a piece of paper and saying everything I'm thankful for. What if we start with you? Right? So many of us in our health and weight loss journeys, we are so quick to tear ourselves down. Um, we look in the mirror and we immediately rattle off everything we don't like. Or when we look at ourselves, we rattle off all the things that we can't do and that we're upset with. And that's not motivating. Our thoughts create our feelings. If you want to feel motivated, then you need to think motivating thoughts, plain and simple. Don't make this complicated. If you want to feel motivated, you need to think motivating thoughts, positive thoughts. How do you get there? Gratitude's one way. So stand in the mirror and say five kind things to yourself. Five, not one, five. This can be past achievements. This could be something you're working on right now. It could be one of your talents or, you know, a virtue of some sort. Repeat it as often as you want to. Repeat it until you believe it. See, here's the deal, guys. Your brain believes anything you repeat. Your brain believes anything you repeat. If you constantly tell yourself you're so fat or you're never going to be able to lose this weight or you're never going to be able to not eat after eight o'clock. Guess what? That's all going to come true because your brain actually believes it to be true. So you are never going to be able to go over that hurdle. But if you start saying more positive things to yourself, I am strong, right? I can do hard things. I can treat myself kindly, right? If you do that, if you say those things over and over again, guess what? You start doing those things. That's how it works. Your thoughts create your feelings. If you want to be motivated, you need to create more motivating thoughts. I can't do that for you. So many people come into my office and they want to know, I'm losing motivation. I was really good the first couple days, but then after that, I didn't feel like doing it anymore. Okay. Why? Why is that? What have you started thinking? This isn't going to work. See, I'm never good at this. Well, yeah, of course you're not going to be good at it. That's not very positive thinking. 
So stand in front of the mirror and say five kind things about yourself. Start there. Start with gratitude for what you have. Instead of, you know, oh, my thighs are so big. Guess what? My legs are strong and it helped me run a mile yesterday. I don't know. That sounds better to me. So after you do your five things that you're grateful for for yourself, then we can start looking outward. All right. Start that gratitude journal. It can be in a diary. It can be on your phone. It could be in your planner. Honestly, it doesn't matter where you put it. All that matters is are you consistent with the practice? And this is just your personal space to write down all things big and small. A lot of times, all we think of are the big things. I'm thankful for my house. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my job. But let's start looking for gratitude in the little places. I'm grateful my baby slept an extra half an hour today. I'm grateful that my kids put their dirty dish in the sink instead of just laying it on the counter. I'm grateful that I chose carrots with lunch instead of skipping over the vegetable and just getting my sandwich and chips like I used to. I'm grateful that I was able to make that good decision. Look for the little wins. I promise you the little stuff is the big stuff. The little stuff is the big stuff. So look for the little stuff, not just the big ones. And then finally, let's do a gratitude visit where we write a letter or we, you know, come up with, I don't know, not a speech, but we actually hand deliver or mail that letter to somebody, letting them know how much they brightened our day or how much, you know, their encouragement or their presence means to us, right? Imagine what you can do for somebody else when you express gratitude and you don't make it about yourself. Like I said earlier, my dad wrote that letter to us. It was a couple sentences on a sheet of paper that he cut out, but I still keep that in my purse today and in my wallet. That's the power of words. Words have such an extreme power over how we feel and how we behave. And it's time we start using our words to build each other up instead of tear each other down. All right, guys. So let's practice this. Let's commit to practicing it. Let's just do it for two weeks and see how our thoughts change and see how our behaviors change. If after two weeks you don't notice a difference and you don't like doing it and it's not working then you have permission to stop. And worst case scenario, you've lost two weeks of five minutes because you did something that didn't work for you. But I have a feeling that this action of gratitude can, act, can really change your life. <sighs> okay, let's get to your recipe. So we're going to do something fallish, Thanksgiving-ish. Uh, we're going to give you a recipe today for a pumpkin yogurt dip. Guys, again, simple. We want simple here. We like simple. So what you're going to do is you're going to get one cup of plain yogurt, three quarter cup of pumpkin puree. Guys, this is pure pumpkin, not the pumpkin pie filling. And then you're going to get either, I don't know, anywhere between a half a teaspoon to one teaspoon of either cinnamon or pumpkin pie spice, or you can do half a teaspoon of both, depends on your preference. And then finally, a half a teaspoon of vanilla. And that's it. 
We're going to stir them all together. Uh, if you prefer something a little bit sweeter, you could put a touch of pure maple syrup in it or a little bit of honey. I think it's just fine the way it is. And then this is just a great snack or for you can add, or I should say you can dip apples or graham crackers or banana slices. Uh, you could even do those cinnamon tortilla chips if you're, you know, splurging and, you know, or, or you want to bring this somewhere as an appetizer or even like a little dessert if you're getting together with some people. Um, but this is just a real simple festive holiday dish that is easy and healthy. All right, guys. Well, I hope you have an amazing week and I can't wait to, to see you more and to talk to you more. Uh, remember guys, so much of our health journey and our nutrition journey is doing the mindset work. A lot of us, we just want to know, we want to know the meal plans. Just tell me what to eat. Uh, tell me how much, but honestly, until we start changing our mindset around food and how we behave around food, that's where all the magic happens. And so again, if you are looking for some help with this uh, or want more information, we would love to help you. So remember, visit bodymetricspa.com and schedule an appointment with any one of our talented dietitians. We cannot wait to help you figure this out. All right, have a great week. I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricspa.com. Or you can find us on socials. We're on Instagram at Bodymetrics Health or on Facebook at Bodymetrics Health and Wellness Services. The book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat, is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.